Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've joined me for this podcast. We are going to talk about church directories. Now, I do understand that there are multiple things that are called church directories, so I'm not talking about a group of people who has a list of names and phone numbers of the members. What we are going to talk about is church directories in the sense of this is a list of congregations or groups of assemblies or whatever that that particular group will identify themselves as that have some kind of common belief system, some common statement of faith or whatever. Whether it's the Methodist Church or the Baptist Church or the Holiness Church, or the Church of Christ that is formed from the Restoration Movement. I'm not talking about the Church of Christ that you read about in the Bible. I'm talking about the Church of Christ, you know, for example, um, if you were to go through a lot of cities uh, in, in this country, especially in the Bible Belt area, you know, you're to go to Tennessee or Arkansas or Mississippi or Alabama, East Texas, uh, so forth, so on, out here in West Texas where I'm at. There'd be groups of people that identify themselves as the Church of Christ, but and, and you would say, well, oh, that's that's a biblical name. Um, well, Church of Christ isn't mentioned in the English translation of the Bible. Churches of Christ is in the plurality of congregations in Romans 16, 16. But when I'm going to talk about the Church of Christ in this podcast, I'm talking about the Restoration Movement group, the group that was started in the 18, 1900s uh, by the Campbells and so forth and so on. Uh, so just to clarify that, I'm not talking about the church that Jesus actually established, but the Restoration, Restoration Movement churches also include in that the Disciples of Christ, uh, the Christian church, etc. All of these groups of people, when you look at them, they have church directories. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, they have different types of church directories, like the Baptist church might have church directories of the Southern Baptist church or church directories of Reformed Baptist churches. The Methodist Church might have the United Methodist Church directories, or then the Free Methodist Church directories. Among uh, the Holiness Church, they might have the Free Holiness Directory, or the International Pentecostal Holiness Directory. Among the Restoration Movement groups of churches, they may have the, the Disciples of Christ or the Christian Church or Church of Christ directories. And even among that, you may have the Church of Christ non-instrumental uh, directory, the Church of Christ one cup directory, the Churches of Christ that are Spanish-speaking, the Churches of Christ that are black churches. Uh, here in El Paso, there's divisions up of different denominations like the, I think it's the Korean Baptist Church or something like that. Um, there's all kinds of different prefaces or uh, divisions that are among this. And you know what? That should scream something to us about all these groups of people and everything that's there. So I want to start off just thinking through this uh, topic a little bit today. I want to start off with some simple points, and then I want to get us to engage in some scriptures that we're going to think about and consider as it relates to church directories. Um, one of the motivations behind this podcast, uh, I got a phone call last year at some point, and 
and uh, somebody was moving here from the state of Washington to El Paso, Texas, and they were looking for a church to assemble with. And they, they called and, and, and was talking to me, and, and I asked him, well, how, how'd you get my number? I was curious, you know, wordsoftruth.net is my personal website as an evangelist. I use it to write and teach, or, or was it through, you know, some other medium? Uh, find me on social media. I'm on Facebook. Did you find me there or something like that? And he said, no, I, I found the church in the church directory. And I said, hmm, well, that's curious. Um, we don't submit to church directories. So, you know, what'd you find us in? And he said, the conservative church directory. And, and uh, you know, I, well, what do you mean by conservative? I mean, if you talk about labels like that, you could, that's broad. Um, and, and by the way, what's something, even, even when you talk about secular things and you separate uh, religion from, from it and you talk about secular things, labels like, when, you know, I was growing up in the 1980s, uh, for example, uh, labels conservative and liberal meant something then. Now, that's completely different. And that's especially true even in the world of quote-unquote religion. Uh, so, you know, it's just perplexing even more to me. Like, what are you calling conservative? And he said, uh, well, I'm, I'm talking about y'all don't have a kitchen, do you? And... I kind of chuckled because at the time I was talking to him, we're, we're meeting in a home and well, yeah, the home we meet in has a kitchen, um, but the church is not the facility. And as we talked, it just, all that mattered to him was finding a group of people that was in that specific directory. That's all that mattered. That was his litmus test. And I thought, well, this is, this is the very marker of denominationalism and division. Well, when we look at the scriptures, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Now, we're going to start with some simple points, and then we're going to grow into more thought-producing things. So he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I, I can just imagine, you know, today, if they're talking about Jesus, oh, you're, you're, you're this or you're that, right? They would relate it to re a religious group. Well, the answer here, they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto him, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, that rock is that confession, by the way, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will build my church, the Lord's church, the church of God, the church of the firstborn, the church that Jesus died to establish. Well, when we look at the scriptures, he refers to the church as his body. You know, I'll give you a little bit of a, more of a context in what I want to get to. Um, I want to talk about Colossians 1.18, but I'm going to back up to verse 12, and this is written to the saints in Colossae. It's not telling them about the church. This is information they already know, but think about it in its context. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins 
who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The body, the church, that Jesus said he would establish, he is the head of. Put that in the form of a directory. Well, all these churches that are in these directories, they're meeting criteria that have been set forth by men. Okay? That's not the identity of an assembly of the Lord's people. You're not separated by some uh, abbreviated form or sect or idea of belief systems. In the body of Christ, you're talking about people that have been redeemed. In the church of our Lord, you're talking about people who have been redeemed, have received the forgiveness of sins. People that submit to the authority of Christ that give him the preeminence in all things. His body, in which there is not some type of separation. Like I mentioned earlier, and I'm a little bit familiar with this, we have a member of the congregation here in El Paso, and he moved to El Paso before I did. I've been in El Paso, um, I think it was 2005, I moved down here to do the Lord's work among the saints that are here, and the congregation is very much different in membership than when I first moved here. Um, a lot of the members that were here uh, have since deceased or are no longer part of the congregation, and, and most of the members uh, of the congregation now are, are different than they in 2005. Uh, but let me come back to this. There, there was a gentleman in, in the congregation here that moved here before me, and he moved from the state of Kentucky. And when he moved from the group of people he was assembling with, they gave him a directory, a directory of black churches to find when he moved to Texas. Well, in El Paso, El Paso, the demographic is about 85% Hispanic, uh, so everyone else is a minority uh, here. Uh, he didn't find a black church, so he ended up, you know, assembling with people that, you know, eventually after I was here for a few months, I finally met him. And this is one of the things we've studied and talked about over the years. When we look at the Bible... There's not a division of race. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more as we get into this podcast. But there's not a difference in race or any other type of demographic that makes up the body of Christ. One of the divisions you read about in the Bible, and it's a division that was created by God, by the way. Um, there was a middle wall of partition between Jews and non-Jews, non-Jews called Gentiles, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty confident you're going to be a Gentile, I'm a Gentile, so forth, so on. Well, our Lord put up a middle wall of division because under the law of Moses, um, which was that middle wall of partition, you're about to read the scriptures that talk about this. I'm just giving you a little bit of a basis of knowledge, and then you're going to hear it from the Word of God as well. But God had made a promise before the law of Moses to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Genesis chapter 12 through 22. 
Genesis 22, 18 is a specific verse that says that. Well, to keep the bloodline pure, God separated the descendants of Abraham from everybody else, and the law of Moses was that middle wall of partition. When Jesus came into the world, he took down that middle wall of partition so that there is no longer a separation between Jew and non-Jew, that all people could be part of one body. So Ephesians 2, I'm just going to begin at verse 1. The congregation in Ephesus, primarily Gentiles, started in Acts 19, 1 through 7. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 17 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations in time past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision of the flesh made with hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in what body by the Christ or by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. So Jesus comes in and reconciles Jew and Gentile in one body. What's the body? Remember what we read in Colossians 1.18? The body is the church. By the way, if you just back up in the epistle that I was just reading from, the book of Ephesians, the same thing is confirmed there in that same letter. The body is the church. Ephesians 1.22 and 23, which, you know, if, if, if we were to read the book of Ephesians, once we got to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, we would have got right into Ephesians 2 and verse 1 with that I just read to you through verse 17. So Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, put all things under his feet, gave him head to be over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then right into where I began reading, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin down through verse 17 that I read. <clears throat> if you keep reading in Ephesians 2, Verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. You see, first century Christians 
were not separated by the church directory of the church of Jews and the church of Gentiles. One body, one church, made up of all who have been reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, as reconciled people into the one body of Christ, there are to be no divisions. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, this is written to the saints in Ephesus, or I mean Corinth, rather. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. No divisions. What's that cover? Everything. Right? That's really simple. Really simple. There can't be the English-speaking church and the Spanish-speaking church and the Korean-speaking church or whatever. We need to be one body. No separations. No divisions. No formations of other groups. Whatever your excuse is, it's wrong. That includes wearing the name of men or exalting men to a certain status or following doctrines of certain men. Have you ever heard uh, people talk, uh, you know, among the Baptist church, uh, among the Lutheran church, you'll hear them talk about John Calvin. You'll hear them talk about John Wesley. You'll hear them exalt these men. And, and some of them uh, I've seen on some YouTube channels uh, where uh, these guys will do videos. And in the background, they'll even have statues of their Reformation movement leaders. Same thing with Churches of Christ, the Christian Church, and Disciples of Christ. If you go to Bethany, West Virginia, they have in Bethany, West Virginia, the house of Alexander Campbell with statues of him. I have some pictures of it. I've, I've gone there in, in, uh, in amazement, observed some of these things, where they have the burial plots and everything, and they have the church building where Alexander Campbell preached uh, and it's uh, Bethany College in Bethany, West Virginia, which I think is, is uh, run by the Disciples of Christ denomination. Uh, but, but they're all the same in that they all come from that movement. They, they don't come from the Lord dying on the cross. They come from a movement, and they exalt these men. Uh, back in, uh, I think it was like 2000, I was invited to preach. I was At the time, I was in Pennsylvania, and I was invited to preach in Ligonier, uh, Pennsylvania, and, and the group uh, asked me to come down, and they asked me to speak about a quote-unquote restoration uh, leader, and it was not well-received because um, I preached about Christ. I refused to preach about the man that they wanted to exalt. I preached about Christ and the error of following men, and I was, I was shocked. Here was a group of people that proclaimed to be the church of Christ, but they had a whole series of gospel meetings by preachers on the men of a movement. That, that is every time 100% sinfully wrong. Well, how do you know that, Brian? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you keep reading, verses 11 through 17, said, "...hath been declared of me of, 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 me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe." that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? 
Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized my own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And if you keep reading chapter 1, 2, 3, and into chapter 4, over and over again, Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to deflate men and exalt Jesus. Deflate the wisdom of men and inflate the wisdom of God. To get them to not be observant of the speech of men. Paul wasn't a glorious presenter. And he points that out in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. If you keep reading through chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, uh, says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up one for against another. Not to think beyond that which is written. And in, in italics in the KJV is of men, don't exalt anybody or anything above the Word of God. So don't be out there preaching movement, men who started movements. The man you ought to preach is Christ Jesus, who is man and God in the flesh, who died that all men could be reconciled unto God. That's who we preach, Christ Jesus, not men. That includes, when you think about the principles that includes walking away from the doctrines of men, from philosophies, etc. In Colossians chapter 2, you know, when, when you... Uh, there's just so much here. I, I, I just looked at the, <laughs> at the timer and I'm 22 minutes in. I'm already getting carried away. This is, this is going to be an easy subject to get carried away in. Um, in Colossians 2 verses 4 through 8, he says, This I say, lest any man shall beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joining and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the ruins of the world, and not after Christ. You know, the mindset of, of the church directory is contrary to everything I'm reading. It's establishing different divisions and then putting a book together so that you can make sure that you stay in the pew of your division. It's not about the body of Christ. It's not about exalting Christ. It's about exalting specific doctrines or followers of men. When we look down further in that context in Colossians 2 that I was reading from to verse 20 through 23, it says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, 
which are all to perish with using after the commandments and doctors of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility, neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So think about this. We have a church, these church directories that, that it, seek to separate people by, hey, stick with your brand. Now, your brand may be fine when it comes to tennis shoes and blue jeans and t-shirts and home builders and all these other type of things. Maybe you're stuck on a brand of vehicles. But Jesus is the Savior of His body, Ephesians 5, verse 23. Not anyone else's. So these church directories, we got to think about them. We got to think about what's behind it. So let's let's do some reasoning from the scriptures, um, and think about some things. And when you think when I'm talking about reasoning from the scriptures, in Acts seventeen two, Paul, as his manner was, went into them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So, you know, it's, let's take the word of God and let's think about it. What if you're moving or traveling? And I, I've got to put this to you too, and it's. We had a podcast last week about uh, congregational membership. You really need to be assembling with the brethren that are in the congregation you're a member of, unless it's absolutely impossible. And yes, there's biblical authority for travel. I'll give some examples of that as we go through. I'm not saying it's sinful to travel. But think about people that move here and there. You ought to change your job. You to, you're a member of a congregation. You're a member of a body. Go back and look at, the, at that podcast and listen to it. I don't want to re, reteach that one. But I want you to think about someone who is moving or traveling, and they have this mindset of, I'm going to pull out a directory, whatever that directory is, Methodist Church, Holiness Church, Baptist Church, Church of Christ, whatever it is, whatever it is. And I'm going to find a congregation that's in that directory. And that's what matters, that they're in that directory. Do you think you read any of that in the Bible? The answer is absolutely not. I want to start with a thought, okay? In Matthew chapter 7, when we're talking about faithful and sound, and it matters, because we're to have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, Ephesians 5.11. Fellowship matters. Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. By their fruit, not by their listing in a directory. By their fruit, you should know them. Now, let's say I'm traveling from far west Texas on the border of Mexico where I lived out here in El Paso. And if I'm going to travel, I don't know, say to New York, well, what am I to do? Grab a directory? I don't know of any Christians in the state of New York. I hope they are there, but I don't personally know them. Um, what am I? Grab a directory? And say, here, these people you know, agree with what percentage of what I believe to be the truth. No, because the Bible has just told me, I know them by their fruits. 
which means that I or somebody I trust is going to have to have intimate knowledge of these professed Christians for me to know whether or not I should be assembling with them. Not whether their name is listed in some book put together by some men. You know, the congregation that, that I labor with, we're listed in directories. I don't know how we got there and who put us there or why they attribute us uh, to their system of beliefs. I don't know if, you know, I don't, I don't get it, really, uh, because when I look at other groups listed in those directories, we have nothing in common. They preach a whole other Jesus and a whole other gospel. We have nothing in common. Uh, so I scratch my head. And when people call and said, found you in this directory, I know immediately we're not brethren. You, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not following the doctrine of Christ, and you don't know me. You, you, you just found my number in a directory. You haven't done any examination. You know them by their fruits. So what, if I, if I were to teach 10 things that you agree with, that's good? Well, what, what if uh, we don't have a kitchen, right? Like the guy I was talking about earlier, which we meet in a home, so, you know, there's a kitchen. The congregation doesn't use that kitchen, uh, but the, the homeowners do. Uh, let me come back to the subject. Um, so if that's the litmus test, and I say, okay, no, you know, we don't use a kitchen as a work of the church. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see you on Sunday. What if we sacrifice children? Now, we don't. But, you know, in the Old Testament, some of the Jews did, right? I know that's an extreme. I know it's out there. But what if we do something extreme and out there? What if during the Lord's Supper, we smoke marijuana? We don't, just for the sake of the record. But what if? You don't know. You don't know anything about us. You don't know what craziness you might be walking into, but we were in the directory. You know them by their fruit. That takes time. Think about watching a tree produce fruit, testing that fruit. And 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Test. That's what the word prove there means. Test all things, hold fast to that which is good. Not test whether or not this group of people meet your litmus test of one, two, three, ten things. What about what we teach regarding something that you maybe not have thought of? Hmm. And 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they've gone, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. Again, the idea of test, test. These directories, they assume soundness based upon just a small criteria rather than the whole doctrine of Christ. Now, why does that matter? It matters because the Bible teaches us that it matters. In 2 John's one-chapter book, verses 6 through 11, says, This is love, that we walk after His commandments. Not one, two, or five of them, by the way. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now, just let me stop here. What if that's not part of your questioning? What if it's, hey, do you teach uh, baptism, immersion by water for the forgiveness of sins? Oh, yeah, yeah, we teach that. Okay, do you have a kitchen? Uh, we don't use it. Oh, okay, well, I, I understand you're meeting in a home. Um, uh, do you believe there's one church? Yes, by the way. 
almost every group of people I've ever had any conversation with will all answer that in the affirmative. What do they mean by that? Well, that's a whole different uh, test. What, what if you say, okay, well, we'll see you on Sunday. And you get here, and we teach that when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, he was no longer deity. Now, the Bible teaches that he is, Romans 9, 1 through 5, in the flesh, when he was in the flesh, he was still God. Emmanuel, Matthew 1, 23, meaning God in the flesh, right? I mean, we're talking about the deity of Christ. If you don't believe that he is from above, John 8, 23 and 24, then you're not a believer. But what if that wasn't part of your litmus test? And what if we don't cover that? Uh, we don't teach on that for uh, a period of time. Hey, Emmanuel, God with us. So we come to that verse maybe six years down the road, and all of a sudden you find out we don't really believe what the Bible says about the deity of Christ. Now, for six years, you've not been with Christians. Why? Because that wasn't part of your litmus test. Here, John's talking about people that don't confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh. It's specific to a context. He says, this is a deceiver and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we've received a full reward. Notice this in verses 9 through 11. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both, both the Father and the Son. So did you hear that? The doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Jesus, which continued through the apostles because the apostles, John 16, 1 through 13, taught the will of Christ, the words of Christ. So they, Christians in the first century continued in the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2.42, which was the doctrine of Christ. What if we only attribute to 10 principles out of the doctrine of Christ and reject the rest? Well, you don't know that because you didn't ask. You don't know that because you didn't examine fruit. You don't know that because we were strangers to you. What's John, by inspiration, say? If they're coming into you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bid them Godspeed is partaker in his evil deeds. So let me come back to my scenario. For six years, you assembled with people that you did not inspect the fruit of. You all of a sudden find out they don't even believe in the deity of Christ. For six years, the word of God says you are a partaker in their evil deeds. By your fellowship, you too have denied the deity of Christ. Oh my goodness. Whew. Listen, God's test is not partial. This is why it's important to be in a faithful congregation and stay among the people that you know. Okay, because God's test is not partial. It's not just five, 10, or 15 things or one. And James 2, 10 through 12 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and so do, as they that should be judged by the law of liberty. Let me give you a, a, an example. Um, I know of a man that has been preaching for like mm, 30 years. And he's been in a congregation since like uh, 1991. Uh, uh, of people that think that he's a faithful preacher. And this man has uh, a wife and he has three children. Well, that congregation knows that one of those children is not from his current marriage, but they don't ask any questions. 
what they have not inquired about, and even when some of them have been shown, because I've shown some of them, that this man has not just been married and divorced once, but is in his fifth marriage, four different women, because he married one woman twice. And the woman to whom he is now married, he has been living in an adulterous marriage for many years. You know what? That congregation are partakers in his evil deeds. And even though the evidence is right in front of them, they don't inquire because their test is partial. And that congregation, you have to do five acts of worship and five steps to salvation, and most other things are minute. They, they don't care so much about whether they, they differ unless that particular preacher decides to put his foot down and then because he is the self-appointed pastor of that congregation, now he would reject that title, but that's what he really is. Um, he, he is the sole overseer. He runs it. Uh, when he puts his foot down, that's when that becomes an issue and everybody has to agree with him. Uh, everything else, he's just indifferent. Uh, God's test isn't partial. And you're a partaker in their evil deeds because you've not inspected the fruit. The Lord's requirement is not just about keeping to certain key issues, like those churches that have statements of faith where they might have 10, 12, 15, or less or more things that they consider to be core issues. Um, in some religious denominations, they might refer to those as fellowship issues or salvation issues. If you ever hear that language, run Run from those people. Those people are so far gone from the truth when you hear that language, you don't even understand how far gone. If you're among the people that use that language, call me. Let's talk about this, okay? Back to the point. The Lord's requirement is not just about some key issues. In Deuteronomy 5.32, I'm going to give you Old and New Testament scriptures, show you consistency. God says, you shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. No deviation. In Matthew 23, 23 and 24, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done and not to leave the other undone, ye blind guides which strain it in that and swallow camel. So you ought to have done everything, not leave anything undone. Matthew 28, 20, after Jesus commands the apostles to go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 16, 17, 18, and 19, he then tells the apostles in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lie with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. Teaching them to observe all things, not just a certain litmus test. If you were to look up that word absolve, or, or absolve, I'm sorry, observe, it is Strong's number 5083. You could pull it up in your Strong's. You could pull it up in Thayer's. I'm going to give you Thayer's definition. It says to attend to carefully, take care of, to guard metaphorically, to keep, to observe, to reserve, to undergo something. Strong says a watch. 
perhaps akin to Strong's number 2334, to guard from loss or injury, keeping the eye upon, thus differing from uh, Strong's number 5442, which is to prevent escaping from, which implies a fortress or full military lines of apparatus. That is to note a prophecy figuratively, to fulfill a command by implication, to detain and custody figuratively maintained by extension to withhold for personal ends, figuratively to keep unmarried, hold fast, keeper, observer, watch. There's your definition. All things to observe all things, no limitations uh, on, uh, no, no, let's, let's, let's just focus on these key points. No. Paul told the evangelist Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 21, I charge thee before God and Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. You cannot, and this goes against the very nature of church directories. You cannot highlight certain things as more important than others. I want to talk to you about a personal experience I had. Grab a drink of water here. In 2004, uh, prior to moving here to El Paso, my family had tickets to Disney World. And we lived in Pennsylvania at the time. And we were already planning our move out here to El Paso. But we had tickets to Disney, and there had been a hurricane that caused us to cancel our previous plans to go to Disney World. And we figured that we needed to go before we moved here because the drive and expense was cheaper then, and it was in the off-season. So we were able to find hotel very cheap, and it was a hotel that was actually fixing... Uh, and doing repairs and so forth and so on. So I mean, we got a really good deal and we already had the tickets. So we decided we're going to go to Florida. I spent three over three hours on the phone with a preacher and a group of people that appeared from everything that I could see to be God's people. And I talked to him about so many Bible topics I felt pretty, pretty comfortable that I had vetted him well. Now, I, I had a hard lesson here. I sinned. How'd I sin? When we got there, what that preacher told me was different than what we found. My family followed my lead. And because I took my family there, I led them into worship and error. That was the last time I have traveled and worshiped with a congregation or a group of people, whatever you want to call it, that I did not personally, intimately know. With the exception, as an evangelist, I have authority to go and preach and teach and correct 2 Timothy 4.2. But I don't take my family. You know, if, if you were to call me up and you were to say, Hey, Brian, uh, we'd like you to come preach here uh, for us this particular time or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I, I would talk to you about some things, uh, let you know what I'm going to do. Like when I go somewhere and preach, I don't can sermons. I preach to an audience. Uh, I'm not going to give you subjects ahead of time. I'm going to come get to know you and I'm going to preach what you need to hear. I'm going to do it forcefully, pointedly. If you need to repent, I'm going to tell you you need to repent, etc., etc. 
But if you're in error, I won't be singing with you, praying with you. I won't be observing the Lord's Supper with you. I'll be sitting there and you'll be going, why didn't you do that? Because I'm not going to have fellowship with you. But I will do the job of preaching the gospel. Come back to my point. I erred in 2004. I had to learn from that. I had to repent of that. In Ezekiel 18.30, it says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his way, saith Lord, repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. I repented and turned from that. I will not take my family on a vacation and call ahead and talk to a group of people, even if it were for days or weeks, and assume that they're faithful enough with us to worship unless I intimately know them. And there are only a few congregations in this world that I would say that I know that well. And they're not close to us. Uh, so what, what do you do with that? They might be in some kind of directory. That doesn't mean anything. That congregation in Florida, they went by the right name. Um, they... I talked to them about doctrines that were commonly taught incorrectly. I mean, I vetted them well. And, and by the way, I directly asked about some of the things that I saw, and he gave me a different answer. He didn't tell me the truth. He gave me a different answer than what we actually found when we got there. What do you think about these congregational directories. Let me give you some more thoughts. Let's say you find a congregational directory that identifies things that you think are more important than others. I say that because we've already covered that there's not anything more important than others. What about the idea of a directory creating a party spirit? It's a work of the flesh, you know, and what I'm about to read, I want you to listen for the word heresies. Because heresies is a party spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Party spirit. Party spirit. Well, how's that happen? Well, I have observed that there are different types of parties. In fact, I had a recent conversation. A man called me up from Mississippi, and he is going to be traveling through El Paso in August, and he wanted to know if there were, quote-unquote, his language, brethren, that would house him. And as I looked into where he was coming from and talked to him, one of the things that kind of differentiated him is he said he was taking his child to a certain college in Southern California, a religious college in Southern California. And he assumed, because he found us on Google and how Google names us or whatever, uh, whatever he saw, assumed that we were in the fellowship that he is in. And I told him, no, you know, uh, 
if you were to come through El Paso and I was to meet with you, I would be teaching you against where you're going, as well as the congregation that you are a member of. Well, this guy associates with certain colleges. So then he replied to me and he said, oh, so are you then association with this other college that among his denomination is known to be, quote unquote, more conservative? And I said, no, the congregation here is not associated with any human institution, any institution formed by man. We are Christians. We are only Christians. We are members of the body of Christ. That's it. We are not associated with external organizations. He was dumbfounded, to say the least. There are other people that might call, and I've had this happen more than more than more times I can count, and they'll start with, do you know this preacher? Do you know this preacher? We had a guy that visited with us years ago uh, here in El Paso, and he comes in the door, and Brian, his name's Steve, he said, Brian, uh, do you know this preacher? Do you, do you know this guy? And I'm like, well, I've heard this name or that name. I don't know them. Uh, why does that matter? Well, I'm, I'm just trying, Brian. I'm trying to discern what you teach. And I said, well, how about ask me what, what I teach? Well, whether I know somebody or not doesn't mean anything. You know, I, I know drug dealers and, and prostitutes where we used to assemble out in a certain part of town here in El Paso. Um, there were prostitutes on the corner of where we assembled on Sunday mornings. And sometimes they came into the assembly and we allowed them, just like Jesus did, by the way, teaching sinners. Um, and, and some of them I talked to from time to time. And there were people that would come in. Uh, boy, I tell you what, where we used to assemble, we saw some stuff. And my brethren here that, that remember those days that might be listening to this podcast... There was this one particular situation where this lady comes into the assembly and she was high as can be. Don't know what drug she was on, but she stood up during, I'm preaching and I'm watching this happen and she stood up and she starts like shedding clothes and like scratching herself and doing all these weird things. I, I, I don't know how, because envisioning it now, it's like, <laughs> I'm thinking this was the strangest thing uh, you could see. Uh, but I knew her. Uh, she came on and off for a number of years, and I kept trying to teach her the gospel. Does me knowing her mean I'm associated with drugs? No, it doesn't mean anything. And we've seen some strange, crazy stuff. We had a guy one time come in that we, we're, we're, we're here in El Paso. There's a mountain that divides the east side of town from the west side of town. And where we used to assemble was closer to that mountain. And we had a guy come in one time, said he was from Africa, said he was a prophet. And he came to talk to me because God showed him to talk to me. Now, as we talked, all of a sudden, God didn't tell him to talk to me. And I was a heretic and everything else because I told him he wasn't really a prophet. He was a liar. Uh, so forth, so on. Are you going to associate me with that guy because he walked into our assembly? I mean, what, what do people think about name association? Then there's the idea of, do you read this brotherhood publication, this magazine or that magazine. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses have their Watchtower magazine, so forth and so on, and other churches have their papers that, 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 that kind of categorize congregations 
that meet with them one time. Uh, I was in West Virginia uh, years and years ago, and we went into an assembly with a preacher that I was talking to and studying with. And uh, that, in that assembly, they had a track rack uh, full of tracks by a certain publishing company. And I pointed out, y'all do realize this publishing company is in error. They teach false doctrine on divorce and remarriage. What are you doing putting their material in your track rack? Well, that congregation associated with that publishing company. So you see, there is an unbelievable amount of party spirit in the world of religion. And that's a work of the flesh. That's a work of the flesh. When you look at the scriptures, there were sexed. This is the idea behind it. Like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? In Acts 5, 17, high priest rose up and all they, they, they were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. In Acts 15, 5, there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise and command them to keep the law of Moses. These sects, well, they're named different things today, but the same problem exists. People want to be part of a sect. They want to be part of a group. And then there's the division within those sects, right? Like we're the conservative people. In Acts 26, 5, Paul's talking about his is past here, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. It's like, I, I, you know, I was known as the most straight, straightest or as the strictest uh, sect among the Jews. Wrong. It's all wrong. Paul, of course, understood that. He repented of that. You know, it makes you think back to the proverbial high school lunch table, the cool kids table. And is that how kids are to behave? Is that how Christians are to behave? When the church in Corinth, among the many problems that they had, abused the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen through 19 says, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, for there must also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So think about what these directories do. The same thing that the local congregation in Corinth was doing. They, they, they highlight and separate certain people. There's heresies there. There's party spirit there. Like, these are our group of churches that you need to assemble with. But is it the Lord's body? That directory is not telling you that. The fruit does. You don't know the Lord's body just by name or association in a directory. You got to look at what that congregation does, what the members do, how they live their lives. How are you going to see that in a directory? Oh, but then I want to give you another thought. Aside from the party spirit problem that shows up in these directory mentality uh, people, how about the racial, economical, cultural issues that come from parties within churches? You see, the way the Lord intends for the body is in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there should be no schism, no divisions in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. We just talked about this in a Bible study here in El Paso. I don't know the numbers of, of the makeup of races here. I've never done a count. Uh, but we have um, a diverse, racially diverse congregation among us here. And we have a great family. Nobody, nobody has any kind of problem uh, with anything. I have 
uh, black brethren. Uh, matter of fact, two 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 brothers, uh, Bill and Brandon. That you've heard you've heard from Bill. You're going to be hearing from Brandon, uh, and they they make racial jokes uh, with some of us white folks. You know, uh, we can joke. We can we can get on with things. We have no racial separation at all. But listen, both of them came from a background that they were part of to some degree. Uh, Brandon specifically will tell you he was part of a quote-unquote black congregation in Dallas, Texas. And he's walked away from that ideology, recognizing the, the denominational nature and division that is there. The family of our Lord, the church of our Lord, the body of our Lord, is not broken down the way the world would want to see things and the way that false churches do. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29, it says, You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It didn't matter whether you were a slave or not, or whether you were a Jew or a Gentile. None of that matters if you're a member of the body of Christ. When you look at congregations in the first century, there were divisions. That's why these scriptures exist, and there still are to this day. And there are people that were treated specially in the assembly. You know, in James chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? Ooh. Notice, for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. Are ye not partial in yourselves, and become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that love him? But you've despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seat? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law of transgressions. So if you are part of a Korean church, a black church, a white church, whatever type of church, a Spanish-speaking only church, you are violating James 2, 1 through 9. You know what's going to happen? You're going to go to hell. Hear that clearly. One of the religious divisions here in El Paso is definitely uh, the separation of Spanish-speaking versus English-speaking. Years ago, I met a man, and he was doing uh, work in, uh, what was it, uh, the bus station, one of the bus stations here. And, and he came and, and visited with us. We, were have, we had Bible study on Tuesday and Thursday night, and he came into those studies. And he came for a n number of years and uh, But he was a member of a Spanish-speaking congregation. White guy, but he was married to a Hispanic woman. Uh, I kept asking him, does everyone in that congregation speak English? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Why are you segregating based on Spanish-speaking only? Um, no good reason. No good answer. Other than... They created their own sect. Listen, whatever language there is, I live on the border of Mexico and the United States. At any given point, there are people crossing this border, if you watch the news, from all over the world. We might have people from China or wherever. If somebody wants to assemble with us and they do not speak the English language, we will very quickly 
accommodate them. There is so many ways in which we have technology now that can translate pretty accurately. I have a Bible study that, that I conduct with a brother down in the Dominican Republic. Gaudi, little shout out to you. Uh, and sometimes his wife joins us in that study and we study over Skype. I do not speak Spanish. I know a few words here and there, uh, but I, I, I turn on Google Translate uh, and, and sit it next to my computer. I'm, a, I'm able to understand most of what she's saying, and that's just using it off my phone. There's probably better ways to go about it, but it's just a quick way. Now, Gaudi speaks fluent English, so he helps me out wherever there's a problem. Yeah, look, you, you can communicate. Language barriers just really don't exist in our current world. There's no reason to have whole groups of people set themselves up and use a language barrier as an excuse for racism. That's what it is here in El Paso. Very much so. Um, there's an elitist mentality uh, about it. And, you know, when you look over the world of religion, there's colleges that are separated by race and all types of different things, papers. I mean, it's just insane how carnally minded supposedly Christians are. You know, there are some people that profess to be Christians that I think you'd find more spiritually minded in a strip club than you do in those churches. That's a shame. That's a shame. You know, what? it's just terrible. I hope you'll think about that. How are you doing that? How are you dividing by race? I know of a congregation in Maryland. Matter of fact, later today I'll be talking to my brother in Christ, Keith, and a little shout out to you there, Keith. I don't know if you'll have time to listen to this before we talk today, but I'll be talking to Keith. And uh, in that congregation, all of the members are black. They're not that by choice. Uh, they're that because that's all that's there. If somebody called them up and said, are you a black congregation? No, we're the Lord's body. They might show up and say, well, where's the other races at? No, no, no doesn't matter. All one in Christ. If I go to worship there, they're not going to turn me away because I'm a white guy. No. Matter of fact, one of the brethren here is going to be assembling with that congregation on Sunday. Turns out he's a black guy too, though. So I, I guess that was a bad illustration, but he's married to a white woman. So I don't know, maybe, hey, Jeff, maybe that, that counts in some way. But he's not going up there to find a black congregation. He's assembling with God's people. That's it. That's all there is. They're God's people. You might look at the external and say, looks to me like, it. no, no. What it looks like and what it is isn't the same. God's people do not separate by race or by uh, financial status or by culture. Uh, no, God's people are one body and that's it. I want to give you another thought. Separate from the party spirit, separate from... Uh, examining fruit and being obedient to everything that God has to say, separate from everything we just talked about, I want to talk about how they found other saints in the first century. In Romans 16, verses 1 through 5, Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she have need of you. For she had been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the churches in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinatus, 
who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. So these brethren, Phoebe, Aquila, and Priscilla, uh, you know, Epinitus, uh, what's Paul doing here? He's not giving them a directory of churches, and he's not uh, waiting for Rome to ask them, well, what congregation are you a member of? Let us flip in the directory to see if that's a sound congregation. No, Paul is commending brethren. So that's somebody that, that knows them, giving a commendation to somebody they know. When people went to other congregations, like Apollos, you know, Apollos, uh, through ignorance, taught false doctrine, was a false teacher. In Acts 18, 24 through 28, and I want you to pay attention to what's going to be said uh, here about after he gets corrected. So a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandra, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. What they do? They wrote a letter. Said, receive him. When brethren came and went, this was the process. Epaphroditus, I did a whole podcast on him in Philippians 2, 25-30. When he was with Paul for a period of time, Paul wrote a letter back to Philippi telling them to receive him back. Gave him commendation. He's been gone for a while. He was faithful in the time that he was gone. He aided Paul. I want to read the text to you. He says, Yet I supposed it necessary, this is Philippians 2, 25-30, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh to death, but God had mercy on him, and not on, not on him only, but also, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again you may receive, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladliness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. You see, this is the pattern. We could go on and show other examples. It wasn't a church directory. It was commendation from faithful brethren to known brethren, faithful saints that, that had reputation, like the congregation in Thessalonica. And 1 Thessalonians 1, 7, 8 says, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith, the God word is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything by reputation. Congregations can have reputation. In the Bible, we're, we're shown that whether good or evil, people are to be marked. The negative in Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them, for they are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. On the positive, Philippians 3, 17 Brethren, be followers together me, and mark them which walk, so as you have for an example. So when I'm aware of faithful brethren, I tell my brethren here in El Paso about them and would count on them to do likewise if they were uh, familiar with 
faithful brethren. And that is if we know their fruit, not, not if they seem to be righteous on the surface. Folks, congregational directories, church directories, they're not following the pattern we read in the scriptures. Again, I can attest personally that I have found listings of the congregation here in El Paso in places that we have nothing to do with and nothing in common with the people that have listed us. Hmm. Let's take a step back. Finding faithful people is about being a fruit inspector. Looking diligently at those people. Look, there is a book that matters. And it is a book that contains the name of the faithful. But you're not going to find it online. You're not going to find it at Amazon or your quote-unquote Christian bookstore. Beware, by the way. No such thing as a Christian bookstore. A bookstore can't be a Christian. Neither can a college or anything else. Beware of all of that garbage. But the book that matters, Paul said in Philippians 4.3, I entreat the also true yoke fellow. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. There's your directory. How are you going to know whose name's in the book of life? Be a fruit inspector. Be a fruit inspector. Don't trust a directory. Don't trust a quick check of a website. What's written on a website doesn't indicate much about the group that you may be looking into. And don't just look at the preacher. Don't just say, is the preacher sound? You know, preachers sometimes go and preach places to set things in order. Titus 1 and verse 5. You know what that means? That means that they're not in order. Preacher may be faithfully doing his work, and the members may not be. I preached for a very short period of time at a place in Pennsylvania known as Cherry Tree. It was a very small town out in the woods, and I went up there to set things in order, and I was there for a very short period of time. Things did not get set in order. Somebody might have said, well, the preacher is sound. Yeah, but the congregation was not. There were people in that congregation that owned a bar. I didn't know that when I moved there and didn't find it out till after I'd been there for some period of time. When I preached on it, when I preached on alcoholism, among other things, my days were shortly numbered. Folks, faithful preacher doesn't mean faithful congregation. Listed in a directory. So what? So what? Doesn't mean anything. I hope I've given you a whole lot to think about. And maybe you'll step back and say, this is the very essence of denominationalism, that people follow after a name or an identity instead of after the doctrine. That is a huge problem. So where are you on these subject matters? Maybe you got some questions. And that's the intent of this podcast today is to get you to think. I want you to think. If you got some questions, call me up. My phone number is 915-525-5794. Or email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. You can visit the website, www.wordsoftruth.net, but I'd rather talk to you. And if you find the congregation here in El Paso listening in a directory, we didn't do that. At the same time, we wouldn't refuse it either. Because if you're going to put my phone number somewhere so that somebody might contact me and I might have a Bible discussion, I don't care where that somewhere is. If my name was written on a bathroom wall in a local truck stop and it said, call Brian for a good time, 915-525-5794, call me up. 
We'll have a Bible discussion. I don't care what the implications were originally, but I do love the fact that somebody might call me and I might have the opportunity to share the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ with that individual. Thank you so much for listening. If all goes according to plan, I will have a podcast up for you again on Sunday. Until then.